0: KO here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution. I'm so excited today. We are welcoming Tanya Fritch to the mic. She is a self published author of her book, Just the Tip and she's been in the service industry for over 20 years. So lean into this conversation as she tells us all her crazy tales of working as a hostess, a waitress, and a bartender, and what inspired her to eventually write a book and tell her truths around being in the service industry. It's an awesome conversation around humanity and just enjoying being out everybody has gone out for a dinner or a drink and you never realize what kind of impact that our service and service people are having in our lives thanks so much for this conversation tanya i had a great time and i can't wait to see what's next cheers be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and check out our youtube page where we have got all the video coming right at you welcome to turmeric and tequila
1: with your host Kristen olson
0: a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I am so excited to be here today. We have a connect of a connect, my favorite. Shout out to Jen Josie. We are welcoming Tanya Fritch to the mic. She has been in the industry for over the service industry for over 20 years and is now a self-published author. She just came out with her book, Just the Tip. So we are going to unpack her journey, how she got there, how she published the book, and um, really highlight the conversation around humanity in the uh, service industry. So without further ado, Tanya, welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited. Like I said, I know, um, obviously, Jen and the connects of the connects are always my favorite. So I think we're already like one step past like the just get to know you. So that's always like a nice streamlined process.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. And Jen has already texted me a million times saying... We need to meet up and talk about Kristen, but we have to think (laughs) why we do it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I know. I'm hoping someday soon we can all like have some
0: tequila in person, like together.
1: I would love that. I was actually thinking about that today because like you're so easy to talk to. Like you said, as soon as we even connected, I felt like I already knew you for years and I felt the same way. So I'm sure you get that with everybody. (laughs) Um, I was like, wow, she lives in Colorado. I was like, I am totally down to come out there with Jen, do a girl's trip. I told her. Obviously, they don't have tequila uh, breweries, like so we can't like tequila hop, but we still can, you
0: know. We can do beer too. I mean, we're not biased by anything. Like any libation, yeah. <laughs> um, well, but so tell us about that. Tell us like how. Well, let's let's start with like young Tanya, how you kind of got into service industry, but like give us like the background. Like, did you play sports growing up? Like, how do we get to even you know wanting to be to work behind the bar or be a waitress?
1: Yeah. So growing up, I actually did play sports. Um, my family was very oriented in basketball. My brothers are both 6'4 and 6'5. Wow. Parents are really tall. Um, My dad's like 6'4. My mom's 5'11. So it's kind of, I'm normal. You know, I'm (laughs) (laughs) 5'5. I didn't get the height, but I was so obsessed with sports. I was such a tomboy. And my twin brother was so good at basketball. I was like, I got to be just as good, you know, like we're a basketball family. I was the worst. Like I could not make a shot to save my life. And I still played throughout school, but my parents were just like, maybe not for you, you know? Um, So that's how it started. I also, you know, obviously girls get their height sooner than boys. So I was super tall compared to my brother in school. So my parents were like, yeah, let's go with this. Like, she's going to be the basketball person. And obviously, you know, a few years in, he shot up and he was better at it. So that was a no-go. After that, I really just got into like art and writing I was always like a book nerd. I would be in my room, you know, just reading, writing. My parents were, were always like, what are you doing in there? Like, you know, like we never know what you're doing. I was like, I'm just literally sitting here reading, <laughs> like nothing exciting. Um, but I started doing that a lot. And I actually wanted to be an artist, literally the artist that you see, like sitting on the side of the roads, like in Italy with a canvas and just yes. in. And I mean, that was my dream forever. I remember every Christmas I would ask for paint and canvases and that's it, just art supplies for years. And I, you know, obviously when I started getting older, I was in high school, I was like, I was taking all these art classes and I wanted to get a degree in art. I just really wanted to go for it. And I really realized I didn't think my bills would allow for me to be an artist on the side of the road. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, at that point it became a little bit more... Not boring, but I could tell like my passion was switching a little bit um, from painting to, like I said, more so reading and writing and really getting my voice out there. So a lot of my friends would always be like, You're so funny. You need to be a stand up comedian, you know? And I'm like, No way. I'm so scared to like get on stage. But, you know, the more and more people said it, you're such, you're so good with people. I decided, you know, with my first job, my mom was a waitress most of my life. Um, her and my dad worked odd jobs so they could watch us one shift and then switch. We had three, you know, little babies running around. So I just remember I would go with her and pick up, we would go pick her up late at night because my dad would have to like load us in the car. And I just remember waiting for her and it was so exciting. Like I would see her running around at a bar at night and, you know, the music and the people and the fun and, I just was like, this has to be the coolest job ever. Obviously I'm not realizing like how stressful it is or right. anything like that. And so for my first job, I, I mean, obviously my mom recommended like you should work as a waitress or a hostess because you'll make really good money and you can be around people and I think you'd really like it. Mm-hmm. So that started my career at 17 in the industry. Okay, yes, mom influencer, she knew right away. <laughs> oh yeah. I know. I'm like, at first I was after a few years in, I was like, was that good that she influenced me that way? Cause I don't think she expected it to be a 20 year career choice, Right. But- hasn't minded it either.
0: (laughs) Well, there's some like freedom that comes with, you know, being in the service industry. I mean, I don't think people understand how intense the job can be. And I've always said, I think everybody should work sales and or be a waiter or waitress at some point in their life so they can understand like how hard the hustle is and how important it is to assimilate with all kinds of people and just kind of be on your toes at all times. Cause it's, it's, it's really hard to like make some people happy. And I think that's just such a phenomenal skill set.
1: A hundred percent. I agree with that. I even say that in my book, I say, I think it should be a law that everybody has to serve one year before adulthood. Because, you know, I just think, I mean, I don't think people understand, like you said, meeting people and dealing with people and the wants and the needs, and you're just a person, you know, you have no idea how to deal with this person's food allergy, or if they had a really bad day, maybe they got fired that day. And it's a mood, you know, and you really do have have to make them happy. Your whole pay is based on pretty much giving someone an experience. But it's such a great skill set to bring in any job. Completely agree, especially in
0: 2021 when we're not having a lot of human interaction. I think people forget that sometimes that one setting during the day when you went out to eat might be your only human interaction for the entire day. So I think that's awesome. But also I do, like you just said, like you're catching the brunt of whatever is going on during that day.
1: Oh, yeah. And I mean, I this isn't in the book, but I just remember one story and it was years ago. And the only reason why I remember is because, like, you know, I just was surprised I made an influence on this uh, woman's life. But basically, she came in by herself at a bar I was working at and she was just not happy. She had an attitude. I mean, she I could just tell there was nothing I was going to do that was going to make her happy. But I just was like, you know what? I'm going to keep smiling. This is, you know, I just want to make her feel good. I don't know why she's so upset, but hopefully this helps at the end. Everything was wrong with her order. I mean, like literally it was just one thing after another. And I said, okay. And I, you know, I'd been in the industry for years at that point. So I kind of understood the gist of, you know, how to keep going, even though it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. Yeah. And she called over my manager at the end of the night and I was like, come on, you know, like give me a break. Like I've done everything. And I thought it was to complain because that's all the vibe I had gotten up until that point. And my manager comes up to me after she leaves and she was like, I just want you to know that lady was almost in tears thanking me for your service. She said she's never met a nicer, kinder, more, you know, a person that could help her. Like she said, my mood was so bad. She was going through something, either a divorce or a death in the family. I can't remember. And I just, she just said it just she left with such a good mood. It was insane that I never stopped smiling when she was there. And it made her smile. Yeah. And I, I was so shocked by that, because if you would have seen our interaction, I couldn't tell it was making any difference. But for her, it did. So I was really surprised. Good for you for like keeping, like just keeping your stuff together. To me, that's like a good business person. Like, you know, no
0: matter what, or even a good athlete, like you keep your composure even in the thick of the situation and you just maintain, maintain to your true self. Like that's really hard. How old were you at this time?
1: I was 20 at the time. Okay. So that's still pretty young. <laughs> yeah, pretty young. And to deal honestly, and that's another thing with people do start in the industry pretty young, you know, they'll start off as hosts to see when they're like 16 to 18, And then they move into serving around 18 to 20. And then when you're 21, you want to become a bartender. So it's like a level thing. But 21, you're dealing with 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds. It's hard for them sometimes just because of different generations, you know, and how they deal with younger generations to respect you kind of because they're like, you're a little kid, you know, like I'm 70. I (laughs) I don't need to treat you a certain way. And just to keep your composure, I think, is a huge... Um, win just to have for any skill set.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so how long were you hostessing and then being a waitress? And then when did you become a bartender? Was it like right at when, when you turned 21?
1: Um, It was when I was around 24. So okay. you have to, it really depends on the place. But um, interesting fact, in case anybody's ever trying to get into the industry in a bartending job, and everybody knows this, so I'll just throw it out there. Unless you've been with the same bar forever, it's really hard to move up into bartending. It's the best-paying position. It's, in my opinion, you, once you're once you start bartending, you won't want to serve food again. It's a whole different group of people, and you know, without that, people can't really get into bar jobs—not the good bar jobs, the very high volume. You know, the not like just a restaurant sitting down bar jobs. So I always say, fake it till you make it. And um, every bartender I've really known have lied and said they bartended somewhere else before. Okay. (laughs) What you say is, you know, hey, I bartended at this dive bar, not in business anymore. Um, But it depends what bar you're applying to. You know, every bar I've ever went to, no matter how much experience I've had, You have to relearn the bar anyways. So there's always training. So either way, yeah, as long as you know how to pour a vodka soda or a tequila sunrise, you know, these are simple two ingredient drinks. You're going to learn. So I always, people are like, oh, I'm so afraid. I've never done this before. And I said, no, even me, if I went to a new bar tomorrow, I have to relearn the whole bar. I have to see where everything is. I have to learn your cocktails. So it kind of feels like you're starting, you know, the first time every time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes makes sense. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say getting into it. I started hosting when I was sixteen. Honestly, that's kind of all I thought I would be doing. I was in high school still, and I just needed some car money, some gas money. And after that, I was like, of course, I'll go to college. I was dabbling in community college at the time, and I was just burnt out on school. I just didn't know what I wanted to do after the art thing. So I, you know, I took a break, a break, <laughs> a very long break. Sure. And- I decided waitresses made more money than I did. So my manager actually came to me and said, I think you'd be a great waitress. You have a great personality. And, you know, I think it would be a great job. So I started doing that. But as soon as I started doing that for a few years, I knew when I turned 21, I wanted to be a bartender and kind of just move my way up, you know, with the skill set. So that's what I did. And I've been bartending now for, I mean, oh, like 12 years, I think. Oh, wow.
0: And at the same place?
1: No. So I stay at places a really long time, but a lot of bars, you know, will close down after a few years. So I stayed at my first bar for seven years, actually. Wow. it was, it was great, lively atmosphere. You know, it just ended up closing down. And then I went to my next job for two years and then I went, um, so I guess, yeah. And then I went to this job. I've been here for a few years now. So, wow. I feel like that's more loyal than most uh, young
0: people now in the corporate game. Like every couple of years, you're kind of switching on to the next thing.
1: Oh, yeah. And and I think it's a part partly is when you get a good bar job, you don't want to lose it because it's really hard to get in that next spot because, yeah. you know, they have their own people who have worked up. And for you to come in new, they really want you to be able to prove yourself. But sometimes there's just not a spot open.
0: Right. Well, I think people forget Yeah, a, how hard it is to get into how much money you can make, but how much power you have in the system like everybody wants to drink especially those crowded nights or people come to bars when they're feeling bluesy and so like now you're part time therapist I mean this role in the world really kind of helps the wheel move around like it's pretty intense on some of the things you encounter I've never been a bartender I was a pool waitress for many years and there was like some funny stories there but kind of just dabbled like when I was younger in the industry and then um, got out of it as soon as I like discovered like sports and marketing and stuff but it's it was in value experiences but when I, I'd always watch the bartenders like obviously you went to bars, we'll still do, but mostly in college. And I'm like, these guys run the world. Like you can make all the rules. Like you can do all, like basically whatever you want. Do you feel pretty powerful when you're behind the bar?
1: Oh yeah. We <laughs> feel like rock stars. Yeah. Lie. I've even been walking down the street and people will be like, Tanya, you were my bartender last night. And I'm like, you know, princess wave, like, Hey, what's up? Paparazzi. <laughs> yeah. I literally just made you a vodka soda, but I'm glad you appreciated it. Yeah. In the industry, you do have all the power. It's that, like I said, even honestly, even more than a manager, you make more money. You are the center of the whole atmosphere. It's the most lively part of any place, you know? And for me, I've done high volume all of my bartending career. So it's 300 plus people in there at one time. And it is, I've had people say like, I can't believe you remember these drinks. You're so fast. But, you know, it becomes obviously just like any other job, you, you just robotic, you know what you're doing, you know where the bottles are without looking. It is a super fun job. It does wear you out because the hours are super, you know, vampire hours. Yeah. I get off work at 4 a.m., you know, sometimes 5 a.m. and trying to make it through McDonald's drive through for breakfast <laughs> you know, just before I go to sleep. So it's an interesting life for sure, but I definitely say it's super fun. And definitely you feel like kind of like a rock star. You got to be careful a little bit because you can go really far into the rock star lifestyle with the partying and, you know, the late hours, but it's super fun. Yeah, that's that's a perfect segue. How do you balance that? Because most bartenders I know, they're
0: like, I mean, t- you drink, like that's part of the job. And I do actually know a couple sober bartenders, which I don't really know how they do it. But how do you manage that kind of crazy lifestyle?
1: Yeah, and so in every state, it's different too. like some So like the bar I work at now, I can't drink behind the bar. There's cameras on me. It's very, you know, hey, no, you know, but some other bars and I know different states. I lived in different states. You can buy the bartender a shot and you kind of just have to maintain yourself. Basically, the owners say, you know, if you get drunk, you're out of here. Yeah. Be responsible drunk or whatever. But bartenders do get breaks because we have 12 to 14 hour shifts. So we'll go have a beer at our favorite bar on our break. And you know, as long as you don't get like too crazy or buzz coming back, um, it doesn't really affect anything. But I will say when I was younger in the bar industry, I was I I was all about the party too, you know? You get off shift, you go to somebody's house and you drink because you didn't get a Friday or Saturday night. Now you're up till five in the morning, now you're hungover, now you have your next shift, you know, and it just I remember probably for like a good few ye- not years, like consistently, but I just remember I was like going out a lot, very social as a bartender. And honestly, in the last few years, I don't really see a need to like drink behind the bar or like sometimes I'll get a drink on my break, you know, but kind of makes you sleepy. Yeah. So I realized I do better without that. And honestly, seeing everybody get so drunk, You kind of realize, I mean, you know, you don't ever see yourself like that, but I see 300 people a night like that. And I'm like, oh, not a good look sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It helps me um, really like deal with people being sober now behind the bar as well. I still like to go out and have drinks. Don't get me wrong. That's what I'm doing on my day off probably. But I think when you've been in the industry a long time, the party part wears off and you realize, oh, this is actually just my job. Sure. it doesn't have to be a party all the time. And I've worked with a lot of bartenders, like you said, who had been sober for 14 years, never tasted a drink they ever made. So it just depends, I guess, on the person. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think, well, I think that awakened me. I think you got to go through some processes of like, okay, the party's done now. And then you need to be a professional and you understand that this is how you make your living. And you can be extraordinarily successful if you're on the ball. So you're kind of incentivized to not be, you know, a college style fool, just <laughs> drinking and pressing the line so much. Oh, definitely. <laughs> well, so people are going to be wondering just the tip. I love that it kind of like pokes the bear a little bit, no pun intended. Um, but tell me a little bit how, as you know, you're in the you're in the industry for 20 years, you, you decide to write this book. Give me like some like specific inspirations of we're like, okay, that's it. I'm writing this book. We're getting it done.
1: Yeah. I mean, so I came up with the title before I ever came up with the book. I just was sitting there one day and I thought, you know, I looked, I was looking, I read a lot of like self not like self-help books, but also like entrepreneur books, a lot of writers. I just was really into seeing like what all these people were doing on their own, you know? And like I said, always been a fan of reading. So I would read a lot of like Chelsea Hamler, laugh out loud. So I was like, oh man, this person who I've never met is making me laugh out loud in this Barnes and Noble. That has to be such a cool thing. Like, I wish I could do that. That was like how it first sparked me. Like, could I make a stranger laugh with, with my writing without them ever speaking with me? And then I was I was sitting there one day at one of my serving jobs. It was super slow and I just remember I'd been in it for a few years at this point and it was like a day shift and anybody in the industry knows day shift is like the slowest, boringest shift ever. You question your whole life every day shift it's that. <laughs> <on. laughs> I was like I need to write down these stories like if anything I have all this time I've encountered so many crazy stories of all these different people Maybe if I'm a server for the rest of my life, I'll have at least a blueprint of my life in form of a book. And that was like a big accomplishment to me. If I could just have it in writing, I didn't care if I sold one copy, you know, I wanted that for me to say, this was my life, you know? And so I just started writing stories in my, literally my waitressing pad on like printer paper, like the skinny (laughs) printer paper. And then I would transform it to a notebook when I got home. Well, I wrote these stories for years and during COVID, I just had the time. You know, my bartending job ended because we couldn't have people inside anymore. I was working during the day. My day job ended as well. So I was just sitting there like, you have to put this book out. You always say you don't have time. And if you would know my friends, the fact that I put this out after talking about it for so many years, they're like, finally, I didn't think it was actually happening. But I had the time and I just went for it. So, I, I had never published before or wrote a professional book before, and I just started writing and typing, and then started going through that whole process by, you know, looking up the information, and then, yeah, I was so glad the title for what I wanted to do wasn't taken, and I, I I was just ready to do it.
0: (laughs) That's, I cannot believe it wasn't taken, because it's like a phrase you've heard forever, that's hilarious, and, you know, but I I can't believe somebody hasn't, like, (laughs) swooped
1: that or done something around it. Yeah, and I mean, so there are some just the tip books, but it's about let's say like just the tip financing for the blah blah blah. Uh, is because it was like really it wasn't relating to the service industry at all. So I thought that was pretty cool because I mean I saw how other people used it like just the tip, and they would give you tips for a successful business or something. Um, but the fact that it wasn't used for the industry, I was very surprised. We put that like on all our tip jars, you know, like put yeah. your hand in or just give a little, just the tip, you know? So I was super excited. and I was like, oh my God, I'm running with this.
0: <laughs> I love it. When I want to unpack some of like the publishing journey, because I think there are a lot of people that want to write books out there. Um, but before that, tell us a little bit about the book, like give us an example of the story and, or how you put it together. Like give us some, uh, like the quick 411 on what's in there.
1: Yeah. So it's, It's really just funny stories about the industry. I mean, some of the stories you're going to read, you're going to say, wow, I can't believe people act like that, but it's still going to make you laugh. I did it in a way where it wasn't so much shaming people for being the way they were, but it was more so just bringing the humor out of everyday life. Like, wow, that actually happened. You know, I think we're always in every situation in our daily lives. Something happens or we have an interaction with someone where we're kind of like thrown off by it a little bit. But I also believe we also can laugh about it later and say, that was weird, you know, (laughs) but let's move on. So it's really funny stories about the good, the bad, um, and the great people I've met. It also has some stories about me growing up and what me and my friends did. It's like crazy stories as teenagers. And, you know, in my young 20s, like we said, we all have stories to tell. So it kind of goes into my dating life a little bit, how that's been a little bit of a train wreck. Um, (laughs) until recently, but it's all of it. So I, I've gotten some feedback um, recently and just the number one feedback I'm getting is a, I was sitting in bed next to my partner and I was laughing out loud and they're like, what are you reading? And I'm like, that's all I wanted. When I sat in that store and read Chelsea Handler, I wanted people to laugh at my book. And the fact that anybody has said that I'm like accomplished, you know, it's already been accomplished. Like that's amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, I was, I was, I was, I looked at it on Amazon and I was reading the reviews and you have some phenomenal reviews or people are not just like five stars I love it. It's like, this girl's hilarious. This is definitely a book you should buy. This is a book. Like it's really like engaging, awesome interviews. And I'm also a fan of Chelsea Handler. So I like one of the lines or my favorites, she's like I was sitting with my soulmate in bed, vodka, like, and really simple, like deadpan humor. So if you're even getting remotely compared to that, even if it's just you comparing, that's amazing. That's huge.
1: Oh, yeah, I go through um, the process of interviewing for jobs, how it's so awkward, but I bring the humor into it. And um, yeah, it is huge to be compared to that. And like I said, these are some, some are friends, some are customers I've had at the bar. My editor wrote me a rave review. She was like, you need to be a stand up comedian right now. Drop your day job, drop everything. And I'm like, oh, let's not go that far. But this is someone I had never met. She's never spoken to me. So for her to hear my tone, I thought that was pretty cool. Well, she's probably read thousands, I mean, maybe hundreds of thousands of books.
0: So like, that's like a deep compliment coming from someone that swims in books. Like, that's huge. Yeah.
1: And she had a bestseller herself. So she... I kind of trusted her advice, you know, and she doesn't have to tell me my book's good. I already paid her. So, right. right. (laughs) And humor is hard. Humor, people, I don't think people understand how hard it is to be
0: funny, but like authentically funny, not like stage jokes, which I'm here for that, but like just that's authentically who you are. Like, that's a big deal.
1: And I'll say it just came out so naturally. Like, I have a very sarcastic personality, and it's probably from working in the industry my whole life having to joke around with girls and guys, you know, kind of being like, this, this is so awkward. Let me make this better. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. And but when I wrote, I didn't know my tone would come out in the way it did. And it just I literally didn't even have to think about it. So I feel like I'm really lucky in that way that that, you know, that that this project just kind of came out of me naturally. So my, just, I just don't I, have that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's when you're in alignment.
0: I think like things like stars aligned and it was all meant to be. So it's like, you just don't, I think when it's really right, you don't have to work that hard and that's counterproductive to everything we've grown up with. It's like, if you want to be a better athlete, train more. If you want to be a better writer, take the classes or the art classes. But sometimes I think you just like it's when it's right on time and it's everything's in alignment, it will just flow.
1: Yeah. I totally agree with that. And maybe I had to wait all those years for the ideas to come more clearly or for me to be, you know. Well, maybe for technology to even be where it's at now, if I would have released this at 19 when I first thought of it, they didn't have YouTube, they didn't have the TikTok, they didn't have the Instagram. You know, I mean, it would have been very hard to market my book going door to door. Totally, totally. <laughs> but- <A> podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, well, give us like, give us an example of one of like your favorite stories or funny stories
1: or something that might surprise us. Um, let me think. I'm putting you on yeah. I mean, I guess I'll just bring up like the intro. It's, I don't know if you've ever had this when you're nervous so or nervous or just overthinking things, but basically my biggest pet peeve has always been going into an interview and they always ask, why should I hire you? And I'm like thinking, and in my book, I intro it with, man, like I started getting nervous and I was like, I looked at the sign and looked at the interviewer and looked at the sign again, clearly displaying we're hiring as the interviewer is asking me, why should we hire you? Well, you guys need somebody, you know, like I'm here, I'm a person. And I talk about in the interview process how my eyes started doing that blinking thing, you know, like one eye starts twitching really fast and it yes. won't stop. Yes. Yeah. So in my interview, literally like covering one eye, hoping this person doesn't think they need to call 911 on me and instead hires me for the position. And it's really like my freak out moment. And then at the end of the book, you know, it says how I went on to get hired, but. There's so many stories. I mean, I could go on and on about friends stories or just in the service industry. I mean, I saw so many more that I haven't even told. It just breaks into bartending towards the end of the book. So my next book will be all about the bartending industry, which is even crazier. So um, yeah, I don't know if there's like a specific one I could do on short term, but I definitely think there's a lot of funny stories in there.
0: I like that there is like a part 1 and then now part 2 coming cuz I would imagine the bartending cuz you do you see people get so wasted like they're so drunk I don't think they even remember the stories like if you were telling the story they wouldn't even know that it's about them.
1: No, and of course I changed names to I say sure. to protect the guilty instead of the innocent. <laughs> <laughs> and my friends are texting me and they're in my book and they're like am I Annie? Am I Kristen? And I'm, you know, those aren't their real names. And I'm like, I don't know. What do you think? You know? And it's kind of funny. They're like, oh my gosh, but they're laughing too. So a lot of uh, regulars I have at the bar, they're like, am I in it? I was like, you haven't made it yet, but you might be in the next one. So right, right.
0: you better do something super funny. Um, yeah,
1: exactly. That's oh, I mean, actually that might be one cool story real quick. It's not a cool story. It's crazy. I was working a day bar shift and it was my first bartending shift. And which by the way, not that this really um, I don't know if this plays into anything, but the bar I started working at only hired guy bartenders. It was five guys behind the bar, and then it was cocktail waitresses who were female. And so I was a cocktail waitress, and you know, I made pretty good money doing that, but I wanted to be a bartender. Like they made more money and they, you know, we said it was the party, it was excitement. I begged my manager, I worked there for two years as a cocktail waitress. I was like, please give me a chance behind the bar. And without saying it, they said we don't hire female bartenders because we notice they get distracted. They might flirt with the customers. And I'm thinking I'm looking behind the bar and these guys are only flirting with the customers yeah. it's like a boy band back there. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't flirt way less than these people. And I know I'm on my game and I convinced my manager to give me one night behind the bar to prove him wrong. And I did. And he was good with me after that. You know, he was like, okay, you're, I mean, I literally started every weekend after that because I proved myself and I was the only girl bartender there besides one that started before me, which was years prior, the whole time that bar was open, which was pretty cool.
0: <laughs> no, that's huge. That's huge. Because, again, you saw your mom as a young female making moves in her profession and now young girls that are coming in or even for 18, well, let's hope 21, if you're the bartender, but they're young enough to be like, okay, like somebody like there's opportunity to step out and shake up, you know, and make some waves in any point in any industry. So I think that's a huge deal.
1: Yeah, I do, too. And um, go back to my real quick story on my first day bar shift. So I'm like, you know, I'm working week and nights, And they're like, can you pick up some day shifts? So of course I am, because I'm trying to prove myself at this point. And this guy comes in, he's wearing sunglasses. It's inside. So I'm kind of already thinking this guy's a little off. You know, I'm like, okay. he's like not really talking, but he's ordering like a shot here and there. And it's like noon. So I'm like, all right, I mean, I'm a bar, so I guess it's fine. Yeah, I don't know your life, you know? And all of a sudden, I haven't really served this guy in a while. He's just kind of chilling by himself. Well, he has sunglasses on. You know, I really can't tell if his eyes are open or closed at this point. And the guy beside him all of a sudden jumps out of his chair. And I'm like, what? The guy beside him had turned towards him and started peeing on him, thinking he was in a ter- in the bathroom. What? And this business guy, I mean, he has to tell this story all the time. I don't know who he is, but he's in a full-blown suit. And he's there for lunch. And all of a sudden, there is piss, you know, all over his entire right side of his body. Oh, we we obviously were like, dude, you have to go. Like, you're peeing on our customers. And he gets up and he literally falls to the floor. In the sense, he was so drunk, he couldn't even walk. And it wasn't from me. Like, he came in, I guess, drunk, which is another way you're not supposed to let people drink at the bar with sunglasses. It was a slow day. I was like, eh. Yeah. Again, did I let people wear sunglasses at the bar? But that guy left with literally covered in someone else's urine. So, oh, my God, he didn't call the also, cops. I'm just watching this guy pee on somebody. Yeah, it was very awkward. So what would you guys do with the guy that fell on the floor? We just uh, I went to get my manager and we escorted him out. And I mean, he was just so drunk. He ended up sitting outside for a little bit and then stumbled away and I don't really know, honestly, what happened after that, but it was crazy. God, um, Well, you can get arrested for that. And like, that's a big deal.
0: It's like, well, drunk yeah. in public, but peeing on somebody, uh, I think that can be counted even as like a sex
1: offense. Like a sex Yeah, offense. the guy didn't press charges. Um, like, I think he was just like, I think he was in shock, honestly. Yeah. Imagine going somewhere for lunch and feeling something wet on you and then turning and the guy's facing you peeing on you like like he thinks you're the urinal that is like, horrifying I wouldn't even know what to do you know what I mean like I can't believe the guy didn't get up and start a fight or something but he was just like I think he was literally in shock and he just sat there like I guess lunch is done now you know like he didn't know what to do
0: <laughs> I mean I don't even know what you like would you go get in your car like that or go yes.
1: get a cab like you're covered in pee that's horrible do you tell your boss you're going to be late coming back for lunch? Do you take the yeah. day off? Like, what is happening? I, I think you go home and write a book. That's the only <laughs> thing you can really. I definitely got paper and wrote the story. Down. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> oh my God, that I'm is sorry, your meal's on us. Uh, can you clarify the facts in the story? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, let me grab my pen. One second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When did he actually start peeing on you? <laughs>
0: Oh my God. Yeah. This is when you guys don't actually make enough money because some of the stuff you cannot unsee is so real. Like there is a lot of things that happen at
1: a bar. Can I tell you, and I mentioned this in the book, the amount of bodily fluids that I have had to experience, Oh, it's be almost worse than a nurse, to be honest with you, because at least <laughs> that's in a setting where you need help. This is like you're bringing it on yourself. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's so crazy.
1: what do you, when you, what do you, I was always curious, what do you guys do
0: when like someone's like sick or I, I don't, I can't even imagine what else happens, but like, do you
1: just get somebody out of a bar and like, that's it? Yeah, we get them out of the bar and we clean it up and it's disgusting. And so I'm, I'm good enough now. This actually happened to me two nights ago, which is, you just start reading people's gestures and faces. And this guy came up to the bar and it was his like 21st birthday. So that's already like you're going to throw up that night, you know, don't do it here. And I joke with people and say, hey, if you throw up, you got to clean up. You know, like obviously they're going to be too drunk to clean up their own mess. But I always say that to kind of warn them, like I'm not cleaning up after you. (laughs) But um, obviously I end up doing it. But this guy comes to the bar. He seems fine. But I can tell like the way he's like kind of holding his head a little bit. He does not need another drink. His friend bought him a shot when he took that shot. I saw his face and I said, I looked at the other bartender. I was like, he's going to go throw up in a few minutes. He's like, no, he's he was talking fine. And I was like, watch not two minutes later. Did he go throw up in the bathroom in the sink? And the bartender was like, dang, you were right. I was like, oh, yeah, I saw his eyes he went blank after that last shot. I mean, I could tell it was not going to happen. So you can start reading people better, you know,
0: for sure. For sure.
1: Before they get too sick. <laughs> oh
0: my, God. my thing in like life, like I'm okay with blood or whatever, throw up. I can't do it. Whatever it is, like something about it, it is like my hard no go can't handle it.
1: And you know what? I'm such a germaphobe. It gets <laughs> Like, I can't believe I can say that, but I'm the one behind the bar washing my hands like 90 times a day. Like, yeah. and when you tell me I have to clean that up, I'm just, I think it's coming through the gloves and I'm just like, why me? <laughs> but then I'll keep doing it. So oh my god. I, I always say, um, when they come to the bar and they're slurring or, you know, they'll try to order a drink and they can't even say the correct words. I always say, if you can't say it, I won't make it. And they're like, what do you mean I could say it? I was like, well, say it. What do you want? And they'll just kind of look at me with a blank stare. And I'm like, yeah, you're cut off. Like, you can't even say what you need from me. You just expect me to make you a drink.
0: Yeah, yeah, yikes. That's, it just puts so much like responsibility on you guys. Thank God, like you haven't been experienced enough to like know when to like fully cut people off. But then I think people get really pissed off and it's like a whole other situation you're dealing with.
1: They do, they get extremely mad. They're like, I'm not drunk. You know, they're telling you what they are. And I'm like, I that you might not be drunk, you know, but I have to uh, look out for the bar. I said, feel free to go to another bar and get some drinks. I was like, we're not kicking you out permanently. We're just cutting you off. If you want to leave, I understand. And at that point, I mean, they could start a fight. We've had so many people cuss at us, say we're going to call, are their lawyers? You know, I don't know what their lawyers are going to do in that moment, but we get our bouncers to kick them out at that point and just say, Hey man, come back another day. They yeah. always come back the next day to get their card that they left behind. And they're like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, it's okay. It's whatever.
0: <laughs> I do this for a living. So I know yeah. I'm your type. That's crazy. The
1: best is when people are ashamed when they come in in the morning to get their credit cards. Yeah. And they're like, they think they're the only one. So they come in like with a walk of shame, like, hey, I think I left my credit card here. I pull out a stack of 100. I'm like, what's your last name? <laughs> you're not alone
0: (laughs) which i mean it's probably a good thing because like then you lose your wallet or whatever like the credit card being left at the bar can be one of the better things and sometimes that's the last thing you have left that you know where it is
1: (laughs) yeah exactly so I, i mean i'm always so happy we keep people's credit cards because yeah like you said they could have left it on the side of the road or in a cab so much better, they could trace it back to the place they got drunk.
0: <laughs> 100%. And then the good thing about credit cards, or bad thing, you can see exactly what you bought, and you're like, okay, no wonder I was acting a fool because I had 42 drinks, so. Yeah,
1: I, I thought I wasn't drunk, but these 42 shots are telling me something different. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I love
1: it. Well, let's um, let's pivot a little bit,
0: because I think, like I said, I think there's a lot of people that listen that want to know about the writing process, myself included. Tell me, you know, you obviously had the content, you had the idea. um. How, what was your first initial step to being like, how do I write this book? Like, what do I do to even be a self-publisher?
1: Yeah, I just really started researching online. So I would go to a lot of YouTube channels at first, to be honest, and I would look up self-publishing, self-authors, you know, anything around that. They had a lot of people on there telling their their process. So that helped me out a lot. My I started following also on Instagram a lot of self-published authors as well. Um, you know, books I would read funny Uh, writers, female people that were doing funny things, you know, Um, just because, you know, like I said, it was like more of a Chelsea Handler vibe. And I honestly reached out to a lot of people on Instagram through messaging who I never met. They live in different states. And I said, hey, can you help me out with self-publishing? Like, how'd you get your first book started? A lot of people didn't respond, but then a lot did. And they walked me through the entire process. Some of them even offered self-publishing classes that I took for free and literally wrote, you know, I wrote down all the notes from the beginning to the end on how to get my book published. Um, I also do recommend this website. It's called Reedsy. So it's R-E-E-D-S-Y. So it's kind of weird, but it's for anybody who's writing, editing, uh, wanting to format your book, maybe a ghostwriter. maybe you have a story that you can't really tell yourself because you're not a good writer, but it's an amazing story. Someone can ghostwrite it for you by just speaking with you about the story. They format it. You can come up with designs for your cover through a designer. Um, my editor I met through Weedzy was on in New York and my book formatter and designer was in the UK. So very cool. And you basically on ReadZ, you tell people about your project and people will come in and say what they're used to publishing. You can see their whole profile, all the work they've done, and then they'll quote you on how much money it's going to cost. So you get a pick. It's all in your hands. It's a really cool website. That's amazing. And what, what's like a realistic
0: budget for this entire process as far as monetary and then as far as time?
1: Um, I would say it really depends on how big your book is and then you know how picky you are about the book. It depends how many times you want the editor and the designers to go back and forth. They really do uh, charge per, like they might charge you like say $300 and that gives you three edits. Okay. As if I edit it all through, you check it out. You're like, no, I don't, I need more, you know, come back. And then after the third one, they'll re-quote you. Um, designing, it was around, so honestly, both were a few hundred dollars depending on what package you wanted. They all would give you multiple packages. And it depended like if your book needed formatting, if you wanted an ebook and a paperback format, if you want a hardcover, You know, it's a lot of different things you need. But I would say, honestly, you could keep it under a grand. I know a grand sounds like a lot, but to have your whole book formatted, edited, designed, all the pages are correct. Because I I think a lot of people don't realize, especially if you're self-publishing, Amazon and KDP is a big self-publishing site, obviously. And they have to have certain dimensions of your spine cover, things that I would have no idea how to format, you know, Um, I could say you could do it for under a thousand and have a perfectly good book. And, you know, I tell people, like, I definitely think you'll make that back with your book. But if not, you know, I'm sure we've spent like $800 on something else and not a book that we created, you know? Absolutely. Um, Yes. At the bar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I think that's, that's incredible. And just like you said, like the timing is everything, but now as much of um, a bad rap as social media and things get, it's, it's exponentially helpful for entrepreneurs to streamline marketing to connect with people all over the world uh, and, and, and do something like when you say a thousand dollars to me, that seems extraordinarily reasonable. I thought it was going to be way more than that.
1: It's very reasonable. And the coolest part is, is when you self publish to something like KDP and Amazon, they print your book on demand. So you don't have to order 20 books and send it out to your people. When they order it through Amazon, Amazon takes like a $2, it depends on how much you price your book at, but a few dollars, they print it and they send it for you, which is amazing because that whole process would cost way more if I had to ship these books individually, I'd be paying for $10, $11 per shipping, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's well, Amazon's taking over the world. So there's that. Um, but yeah, I,
0: have done a lot with like our apparel and stuff and I've finally outsourced it to Printful, which you don't make any money on it, but it's, it's basically marketing at this point anyways. Um, but it's stream- but by the way, I want one of those shirts. Oh, I got you. Let, let me know. I, I have, do have some stuff in, in inventory here, but now it, it's kind of like the book where you just go through them. You can pick out anything you want and then they print it and ship it. Um, right away. So it's that Yeah, it's, it's pretty nice. Um, but it's, it's, I bought a print press just cause like I wanted to print things that most people wouldn't wear. And I wasn't going to print like 20 crop top hoodies that are hot pink. Cause people may not like that, but I do. So yeah. <laughs> it, it, we kind of covered all the bases, but I love now in this day and age, you can kind of circumvent some of these things that really held people back from writing books because the logistics are are huge in these processes. Like it can t- kind of clamp the creativity just to understand the business process.
1: Oh yeah, and I mean, I looked up some stats on um, with Amazon before I did it. There's over 42 million books on Amazon right now, wow. which is crazy, right? Like, and they're not all self-published, obviously. Some of them are the famous books, but it's it's great. It's kind of crazy to me that I can be a part of that. You know, like I'm a part of 42 million books on Amazon, which is like, some people might say, well, isn't that a bad thing? I think it's a great thing because also like my book's only been out I mean, I think I'm gone on my over my third week, so it's very new still. Okay, it's rated like two thousand in humor out of forty two million books. Wow, and it's it's a lot. What also people um, should definitely research when they're self publishing is the keywords they use for searching. So, if say I did use some very uh, popular keywords like humor, memoir, you know, like things that are going to come up with thousands and thousands of searches. Yeah. Honestly, if I were if I were to do something like bartender humor, I could be number one in bartender humor, you know, for a ranking and have that come up automatically. So you really want to be good about your keywords so that people can find you. And like I said, just a lot of research. YouTube is amazing for research. I mean, they will literally walk you through the entire process. Hey, this is what you click on. Go to this website upload your book here. You know, I mean, it's amazing. That's how I did it. I literally followed a YouTube video and finally put it all together once I got everything back formatted and everything was correct.
0: Wow. Wow. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Obviously I think you need to be diligent about your research and do some of the legwork, but imagine how this would be like 30 years ago. Like it's kind of crazy that that entire situation can be streamlined into everything digital essentially.
1: Oh, yeah. And before, if you ever wanted to have a book out, I mean, it's not like self-publishing was really a thing. You would want to send, you know, a description to a publisher in New York or California and hope that they wrote you back and wanted you to be the next big thing, which is really hard. You know, they get millions of submissions. And that's when I was in high school. That's what I was going to do. I literally bought vanilla envelopes to send my book out and manuscript to people. And obviously I never got anything back. Not that you won't, you could, right. but it's really chancing it, getting on the right desk at the right time. Social media gives you such a broad, you know, platform. <clears throat> I had somebody buy my book in Mexico the other day. It's his Amazon was in Spanish. I don't know if he'll understand my book, but hopefully he does. <laughs> and it's just really cool to see that, you know, somebody bought my book in China. And like, even if it's one person, like, it's like wow, my book's over there in China right now, you know? somebody's reading it. That's That's huge. Well, 42
0: million, I literally have this exact same conversation primarily with myself about podcasting because everyone's like, every time I'm like, oh, I have a podcast, like everybody has a podcast now. And I think there's like some odd 2 million or whatever, but only so many um, have more than like 10 episodes. And like, I think 2% have more than like 100 episodes. So it's very few, but even 42 million books, there's billions of humans in the world. Like that's not that many when you really look at the scope of how many humans are in the world and our potential consumers.
1: Right. No, it's not. And that's the thing. It's worldwide. Yeah. (laughs) That's nothing. That's a drop in the water, you know, like, (laughs) so I always tell people, I mean, I thought it was crazy, like to be ranked at all in any book category, you know, I mean, to put me at 1 million, there's still 42 million books. You know what I mean? So it's really cool.
0: Well, I think that kind of brings the conversation full circle around the humanity point. You can see somebody in Mexico or China um, relate to your stories and never know them, obviously, probably different culture and beliefs, potentially different, you know, gender, socioeconomic status, like all the differences in the world. But there's like this human through line around humor and experience and probably drinking. Um, but like, it's it's really cool that you can be creative, exercise your art and your life experiences and have like this human connection.
1: Yeah. And you're right. And that's a good point. Every culture is so different, but I could see like waitresses in Japan, if they could, you know, read my book laughing about it. Like, Oh yeah. You know, we, in a different language, like we've dealt with that, you know, it's such a, we just all deal with people and we're all people, you know? So that's a worldwide thing. That's what I always tell everybody. I was like, we can relate to people and that's everything. It's, it's not a cultural difference. It's not a, I live in this country, you live in that country. I mean, that's worldwide. You know, what we can all connect on is just being people going through these human experiences that make us laugh. Because like I said, sometimes life can be awkward and funny and we just have to laugh it off and keep moving. So I think it's awesome that, like you said, we get to connect with so many people, you know, through my books, through social media, through your podcast. It's just awesome. Like, I wonder like how many, you know, do you ever like wonder how many people from other countries are just tuning in and like, wow, I want to do my own podcast or I want to write a book. You know, I've never thought about that. So it's yeah. really cool.
0: Yeah, that my host actually it will show where downloads happen across the world, and it's obviously primarily America, but um, Russia, Japan, Australia, Belgium, um, <laughs> Canada. I love that. Yeah, there, I think there was one in Uganda. So my goal is obviously to get every every country checked, like at least one download in every single. Yes, country. but it, it's crazy to like really like you really sit there and you're like somebody bought my book in. Japan or or China, like when you really think about that, it's it's insane. Like that's so crazy to think that there was a connect line there.
1: Yeah, it's really crazy. And then I, and the person in Mexico uh, messaged me on Facebook or, or I forgot how they got my information. I think I saw it and then I messaged them or something and they sent me like, oh, I can't wait to read it. And I'm like, okay, like, that's awesome. I was like, share it with all your friends. But like that, I would love to see Um, I don't know if reports will show me exactly who bought my book unless I know, like, they reach out to me some way and say, hey, and they show me, like, they'll show me their Amazon orders and have me, like, block their address for, like, promotional stuff, and it's, like, in China, and I'm like, okay, (laughs) like, you know, or Mexico, and I would love, like you said, if I could get a book, one person per country, how cool would that be to have, like, a piece of you all over the world, and, like, stories for someone to laugh at, that's awesome. Well, I mean, who knew that like, you know, one night on a
0: 21st year old's birthday, that was probably one of the more annoying nights of your life is going to be a connect point for you and somebody
1: in China. Like that's insane. Yeah, you're right. I love it. And honestly, that's what I really do love about the bar industry. It's really hard to get out of once you get started because most bartenders love their job. You get to talk to so many people. If it's slow, like you said, I'm your therapist. If it's fast, I'm your best friend. We're out for a good night. You know, like You just be everything for everybody, which can be exhausting sometimes, but it's also so cool because I've just met so many connections and people throughout my life that later down the road, they connect me to somebody else, you know, and it just keeps going. And I'm like, wow, this is a big network. This is crazy. Yeah. Uh, Hashtag Jen Josie. There she is. I know. That's what I was just (laughs) thinking of. It's so crazy. I love it.
0: Well, I want to be sensitive of time. Um, just really quick, do you have any? I, I'm starting this thing with turmeric and tequila. I want to know what your chill is and then what your thrill is, kind of like your turmeric and then your tequila. So can you tell us what what you do to kind of chill out and then what you do to to thrill out?
1: Yeah. So chilling out, I love to go hiking. I just want to be in the woods by myself or in the mountains. I am such an outdoor nature chick, I could lay in a blanket in a field all day and just soak in the sunshine or go to the beach. So I would say that's my chills, being outside, kind of disconnecting from all these great social media platforms. And then my thrill is kind of along the same lines, but more fun is like traveling, but going to places I haven't been before, you know, experiencing the nightlife, the doing some activities there. So, you know, I love to travel going overseas. I haven't done yet. I've only been to like Mexico and Canada. Um, but I hope to go all around the world. And that's like my thrill is to like see new places. Yes. I see you doing that, doing a book
0: tour. I'm just going to put that into universe. So yes,
1: I hope so. I've had a lot of local bars reach out to me like speakeasies who want me to do a book signing and reading. And I was like, that's kind of cool. That's amazing, and I'm going to put it out there too that a podcast might be in the mix, and I'm super excited about that idea. Yeah, and also just real quick, because since it is about tequila, part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you ever drink this tequila? I actually brought it down. If someone gave me that for my birthday, I haven't tried it yet. It's the so I won't say it's the best because people are going to be like, "No, 1942." You know, the <laughs> fancier <family laughs> stuff is the best. Yeah, yeah. This is an amazing tequila. Okay. Uh, like sponsor them. They should sponsor me. I, it is only tequila where you can take, in my, from what I've tried so far, where you could take chilled or not chilled. There's no burn. There's no weird face you make at the end when you're sucking on your lime. You don't even need a lime. Okay. And me and my friends have been such a seller on this. A bartender recommended it to us one time and he was like, have you ever tried this? And we're like, no. And then we like stocked up on it. It's, it's so good. I, I would be really curious to see what you say about it. It's, it's, okay is water, but it definitely does the job. So. <laughs> wow. Okay. That, I
0: mean, the smoother, the more like dangerous it is. Usually I say like mid-grade to kill and I try and support the companies that aren't like, you know, Casamigos that sold for a hundred billion dollars. It's glorious, but like I try and, you know, support these small guys, but yeah, I've, and, I've got it in my shelf right now.
1: Yeah. And this is really uh, affordable at the stores. I think it's like $30, maybe okay. a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. I think it's like 25 to 30. Okay. So not super like $100 for a pretty bottle or anything like that. But I I mean, I just bought some really expensive tequilas. And honestly, I like this more. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So I'd be curious to see what you say, but I, I definitely wanted to recommend it to you in case you hadn't heard of it because like, obviously that's your thing. I love <laughs> it. Well, and I mean,
0: you're the pro here. So I always like hearing, cause you can be good at some things, but like you need true professionals to guide some pieces of the process. So I hold I a hold, uh, major weight in your recommendation there. And that's so funny that I have it literally on my shelf and I haven't tried it yet. So I'll try it and I'll tag you on Instagram or something basic to make sure you know. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> I love it. All right, well, tell us, where do we find you, Tanya? Hit us with your website, the Amazon. Amazon, anything you want to share?
1: Yeah, so um, if you go to Amazon, you could just go to Amazon, type in my book, Just the Tip. It will come up in your search. I think it's like the third search down. So you might get some apparel from somebody else. And then my book is right there. So you'll definitely see it. Um, it's a girl with like a blue shirt and you'll, you'll get it. It has my name on it, obviously. Um, also, if you want to check me out on my Instagram, I'm going to start a professional Instagram as well. So you'll see all the links in my book on that. But that's Tanya. My first name, T-O-N-Y-A dot Fritch, F-R-I-T-C-H. That will be linked to like my website and everything as well. And yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at right now. I love it. I love it. Yes. I got to get the book and I love that everybody is
0: um, holding up to their face. So it looks like them smiling down. I thought that was like a hilarious little easy play.
1: (laughs) It's so funny. I didn't think about it when I was creating it, but I knew I just wanted to show her nose and mouth and her biting her lip. I like plan this whole cover with my designer from the colors to everything. And then as soon as I got it, me, I did it. You know, I was like, oh, this is funny. Never told anybody about it. Everybody started doing it. I really want to start pushing like people to do it and like kind of take a picture with it. And what I really wanted to do is if you buy my book and tag me in a picture of you holding it up to your face, I want to put a tip for life on the bottom. So like this is this person who they bought my book just a tip. And what's their tip for life, you know, and just kind of promoting people while promoting my book at the same time.
0: I love it. I love all these ideas. You were definitely on path. This is like where it's going. I can just tell it's just so natural and it's flowing through you. So uh, I think the journey is like literally just beginning.
1: I hope so. I feel like that too. It feels really good. Like you said, I don't feel like I'm trying too hard on this. It's honestly, and I will tell people just because it's so simple, but I think I mentioned this before. I just say, just do it. Yeah. Everybody second guesses themselves. I'm sure you did when you started your podcast. Mm -hmm. I know I did. I was like, I'm not funny. I can't write, you know, I don't know. Is my grammar off? Like I just, is anybody going to want to read this? This is stupid. I'm not anybody. And not to be down on myself. It was just something I was unfamiliar with, you know, but everybody has to start somewhere. And I say, just do it. You won't believe the amount of support you have waiting out there for you until you do.
0: Yes. So well said. I think that is such golden advice. It is so hard to start and it's so hard to just put your foot in the water. But once you just start a little bit, I do think that process naturally unfolds. And if you're in alignment, it's right. It will unfold. Like you don't even need to have that much control over it. You can just keep showing up.
1: Yeah, exactly. You said it perfectly. Just keep showing up and eventually you're just going to be on the path one step at a time until you look back and you're like, wow, I just completed that whole journey and I took so long to take that first step.
0: Yes, so well said. Well, let's plan to have tequila in person soon and absolutely hit me up when the second book comes out and we'll revisit this whole conversation.
1: Yes, I love it. It's gonna be super funny as well, so I can't wait. And I definitely think we should get tequila soon. Yes, yes. All um whatever I have in there on the shelf, what was the brand called? Is it Corizo? Yep, mm-hmm. Oh, okay.
0: Corizo, I guess, it's C-O-R-Z-O, Corizo. I'll make sure I leave enough for you and Jen for when you visit, or we'll get another bottle, I guess. (laughs) Yeah,
1: we'll bring bottles for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, I appreciate your time and energy, and let's definitely wrap again soon. Okay, sounds good, Kristen.
1: Thanks, Tanya. Goodbye.
0: Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time, and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.